Welcome to the God Be Crazy podcast. We're your hosts, Christy Penny and Bonnie Thomas. We are best friends with a joint mission to tell the world all about this crazy God who loves us. What kind of crazy, you ask? Urban Dictionary defines crazy as someone who goes against the rules, a person who acts in a manner that normal society doesn't approve of. We would add that crazy can be defined as enigmatic, meaning mysterious or speaking in riddles, often misunderstood. God tells us in Isaiah 55, 8-9, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Yet even though he is enigmatic, he tells us in seven places in Scripture that if we seek him, we will find him when we search with all of our heart. Journey with us as we seek him and explore even more evidence that confirms God be crazy. Welcome back to God Be Crazy. On our last episode, we talked about suffering. We talked about the process of suffering, how mm-hmm. we've shared some of our own suffering. And we've done that throughout all of these podcast right. episodes. And we'd like to share our stories with y'all so that, you know, as God inspires us to, so that, um, well, we don't really know what you're supposed to get from it. That's, <laughs> that's God's business, not ours, actually. But um, yeah, we just do what he tells us. That's to. right. You know, just plant the seed and let him water it. So um, in this episode, we want to talk about we want, it's like a follow up, I guess, is. Yeah, what, it kind of is. Mm-hmm. And so we want to talk about what it's like to a little bit more about suffering. How is it to suffer? What it's like to be to be um, holding space for someone who's suffering and trying to be a support for those that are suffering yeah. when you're not that person, but you're trying to show up for uh, your friend or your family member or someone you care about. Yeah. So what it looks like when, um, what it looks like when we suffer, what it looks like when a family member or friend's suffering. Um, and what do you do when you are the supportive person, if it's not you suffering? Mm-hmm. You know, one of the worst things I can think of, let's start with what not to do. <laughs> one of the worst things I can think of that you can possibly say, or one of the worst things I would ever want to hear whenever I'm suffering or sharing my suffering with a friend is, well, at least dot, dot, dot. Like, I don't want to hear at least it's not this, or at least it's not that, or it could be worse, or they try to silver lining my situation. And I'm like, yeah, that's not helpful. Like, look at how it's not this, or just Mm -hmm. look at it this way. Some people call that. Could be so much worse. Uh Uh-huh. I'm like, okay. You know, I really, I think the number one thing most people are looking for is just to be heard. Right. Um, To be validated, to be seen. Sometimes not even saying anything, but giving a solid eye contact, like not being on your phone being present yeah just just being there being mm -hmm. able to hold space for someone Mm -hmm. and be present with them in that moment when they feel alone and feel like their world's falling apart yeah and um one of the most validating on the opposite end of that one of those validating things i've heard in seasons of suffering for me is someone just looking at me and making eye contact or even like I can see in their eyes, their eyes are connected with whatever it is I'm experiencing at the moment. And they just look at me and say, that makes sense. I'm like, oh, yeah, how I feel does make sense, doesn't it? Like, it's just so validating. Um, 
So, well, and then of course it's all di always different too because everyone is everyone's different. You know, mm -hmm. the way that you need comfort or space or um, understanding or acceptance may be different from how I need it. Well, one hundred percent. And so, having a knowledge of the people that you're offering your support to, mm -hmm. if you know them. You don't do what works for you. You do what works for them. And, and if you don't know, ask. And if you don't know, ask. And I think we're just going to talk about today. We're just going to talk about some of those things. What does it look like when people suffer? Mm -hmm. And what's the expectation versus the reality? And so a lot of times I think it's common in our society to, to believe that we should be able to go through this season of suffering and make it look real easy. Mm -hmm. And if we can't do that, then we're doing something wrong. Either we don't have enough faith or we're not praying enough mm -hmm. or we haven't taken enough time to whatever, all the what ifs that people want to assign to it. Like, I think it's important that we recognize and we start letting each other as a society and as people know that it's okay not to be okay. Mm -hmm. It's okay to feel your emotions, your feelings, to recognize them, to recognize other people's, to talk about them. You don't have to hide it. You shouldn't have to. You shouldn't have to hide your feelings. You shouldn't have to hide your emotions. Now, I say all that to say there are obviously going to be some people in your life that probably aren't safe to share your emotions with. 100%. For, for whatever reason. Maybe course. they... Maybe they are not um, someone who can keep that confidence and that space for you and can keep keep things under wraps. Mm -hmm. um, maybe they are just someone who's not good at offering um, a hug or a mm -hmm. consolation of any mm -hmm. kind. Maybe they just can't even hear you because they're not good at listening. Mm -hmm. So if you're looking for support from someone who isn't incapable of those things, you might want to find a different support system. But I think that if you're wise in who you share your suffering mm -hmm. with, sharing your suffering and allowing people into your life and to know what's going on can be very healing for you mm -hmm. if you pick the right people. Yeah. And sometimes you find out the wrong way. You know, you find <laughs> out in your suffering that you told the wrong person. I've known I've right. made that mistake more than a few times as wanting people to be safe people and because I needed them to be safe people. Yeah. And then sharing things that I had no business sharing with the people I hoped would be safe, even mm -hmm. though part of me knew they're not. Um, and then being burned for that. It's like, you know, when you do that a few times with the wrong with the wrong set of ears, you know, you learn, you know, yeah. or you don't, you keep doing it, your choice. But I learn. And that's taught me to be very conscious of, you know, when you tell something to someone and when it ends up in somebody else's mouth and you're like, hmm, how'd that happen? <laughs> <laughs> Only told such and such. So that tells me, okay, let's pivot there. You know, um, and I'm aware as you say that, like, find somebody else. I know that there are people listening that don't have a somebody mm -hmm. else. And, uh, or maybe don't even have a resource, like as a, as therapists, you know, like you don't, you can't just go to therapy or you don't have enough money for a copay or a session or right. a, like that's not on the table for you. Um, 
we are aware of that. We're trying to work on that actually, but um, yes, we are. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I'm aware that some, some people just go who everybody mm-hmm. is a swing and a miss. And so I want to point out, even though it may not feel as validating for to know that God is with you and he never walks away and he's with you and sitting with you in your yeah. suffering. He is. Even when you can't feel him. Yeah, I know. And he's not a person like he doesn't obviously look at you like a person. He doesn't right. have a set of eyes that comes down and gets, says, you know, here I am and I'm going to comfort you. And so sometimes in the, in the wake of that, like in the reality of that, that he does not move the way people move. Um, I try to picture him like he's in the room. I'm very visual. Not everybody is, but yeah, I know, I know logically that he is with me. And so I picture him somewhere in the room or I picture him like if I'm laying in bed or if I'm wherever I am, I'm just like, I know that you're right here in this space. So I'm just going to envision that you are. Um, I asked you earlier, we were talking about this, but I asked you, I was thinking about that exact thing for myself. And I said, I mean, well, for you, how do you know that God, when you're in the middle of it, when you're middle of in the middle of a storm or you're suffering, how do you know that God is with you? Not intellectually know, but how do you like heart know? How does your whole self recognize that he is actually there when you can't see him? Yeah. Um, for me, I really notice things in the midst of my suffering whenever I feel like God just gives me, I call them little nods or like a little God wink or something. He just gives me a little something and I go, oh, that's him. And he's Mm -hmm. like, that's me. And it's kind of like a little tap on the shoulder going, you see that? I did that. He actually gave me a great example of that yesterday. So unfortunately for me, uh, my car broke down. I was on my way to get um, an estimate. And my car broke down and I was stranded on the side of the road and I was thinking, oh man, now I got to get a rental car. I got to have a tow truck. I didn't, didn't know exactly what I was going to do. And, um, very gratefully, some friends were nearby and they picked me up. I didn't have to sit on the side of the road long or anything, but, um, I called a family member and he was able to secure a vehicle for me to drive for a few days till I got information about my vehicle. And I was praying to God and I was just telling him, you know, Lord, this is not what I need right now. Mm -hmm. This is, I've got too much on my plate. Mm -hmm. I can't be without a vehicle. I really need like, where, where are you in this? You know? And I ask, I find myself asking a lot whenever crazy things happen, like God, how does this, line up with your story. Like you've asked me to do these things and I'm on my way to do the things you're asking me to do. And then this happens. So where does this fit in your story? And so I was asking God, I was like, where does this fit for you? You know, like, is this still part of your plan? You know, whatever's happening, is this Mm -hmm. what it's supposed to be? Am I going about this the right way? And here he winks at me because as I go pick up the vehicle that I'm supposed to borrow, I, on the way there, I say, it would be really funny, God, if I were to get this certain vehicle. And y'all, nobody knows the story, but there's a certain Bronco that I like. It's a little Bronco Sport. It's like a bay pe- 
powder blue, blue, baby blue color. Mm -hmm. And it's got like these whitewashed um, tire rims or whatever. And I just whitewashed wheels. And I just think it's cute as a button. And I was like, it would be real funny if that were the vehicle that I get to drive when I get there. And y'all, I pull up and I just <laughs> laughed out loud like I had to because it was this baby blue Bronco Sport with the whitewash wheels. And I'm like, okay, Crazy. God, I see I you. Know. And he, so for me, that's, you ask how he shows up. Those are ways that I can see him. So even in the middle of, I don't know how long I get to drive this vehicle because I don't know how long mine's going to be out of commission. I only got this one for the weekend probably, but even still, this is God's way of showing me that he's got me in all of this. And even mm -hmm. in the midst of me going, God, where's your plan for this? Like, I don't understand how this is part of your plan. He's saying, I have you. Mm -hmm. No matter how it works out, I'm here. Do you see me? I'm yeah. here. And so that's how he shows up for me. And this is just a perfect, easy example of mm -hmm. him doing what he does all the time. And <laughs> When you told me, when you called me and told me this and about your car, you texted me. And then I later found out about this Bronco. I was like, well, of course, because this has happened so many times to you. It's ridiculous. And so every time it happens, I'm like, mm -hmm, there is always like this. You call them nods. There's a little nod. Like, that's crazy. Yeah. That this is a rare vehicle anyway. It's very specific. It's not like they're I'm, a dime a dozen. It's the <laughs> only, it's, I don't, I haven't even seen another one on the road, honestly. And you get I've this seen, very seen a few. specific I mean, vehicle that you love is the one you get to drive. Yeah. It's crazy. He loves you. He loves us all. I just, like, it took a lot of yeses for that to happen. And for me to be driving that specific vehicle, like, yeah. I can't help but go, thanks, God. Yeah. You know, appreciate it. And he let me know ahead of time. He kind of gave me, because I thought in my head, what if it's this? Wouldn't that be funny? And God's like, he, he, it is that, you yeah. know, and I did that. So just know that that was me. And that's what I mean by like, he let me have that thought and then it happens and there it is. And I'm mm. like, he funny. He does love us That's and he so does sweet. show up. Mm -hmm. And even if he hadn't, you know, he still right. he still loves us. But that's I think it's important. Could I be really and I am, y'all. I'm still really sad that my vehicle is kind of up in the air right now. If you if I sit back and allow myself to go through each thing that's going on in my life right now, I could get really sad and I could get really down about things, but I can't stay there in that moment if I'm really got my eyes open and looking around because I see where he shows up in mm -hmm. all the things. Like, you may not have this, but you have this. Like, I'm still provided for and I'm still taken care of and he is still there for me. Mm -hmm. And it may not look the way everybody expects it to look and it may not look the way I want it to look. Mm -hmm. But regardless of that, he is saying, I am here for you and I'm still taking care of you. And it doesn't. And this is kind of what I want to talk about. We have expectations for ourselves and for others. And we set those expectations out there. And we expect others to meet them. 
or exceed them or to at least be on par with them. Mm -hmm. And we expect certain things from ourselves. And I think that when it comes to suffering and it comes to grief and loss and when it comes to um, all these things, I think that is something that we could all work on. We set these expectations and we say, oh, well, they're still grieving. Their mom died a month ago. Like it still bothers them that much. They can't get yeah, out of bed yeah. and go to work. Yeah. Or it's been it's been two weeks since your dog went away. Like you, you're can't you just get a new dog? Like I've heard people say these things. <laughs> and to me, it is. To me, I'm going, why would you say that to someone? But y'all, we don't think about it. And mm -hmm. we put these timelines and we assign these time frames and we assign these scenarios to people and to each other. We do yeah. it to each other. We do it to ourselves. And I just, I feel like it's something that we should really look at in all of our lives and mm -hmm. as a society. Yeah, give ourselves permission. Well, at least I guess first assess what are your expectations? Mm -hmm. Do you give yourself permission to be a suffering human being? Because you are on some level. Right. You're either suffering now or you have or you will. Or you will. Exactly. And so you're in some cycle of that. And so often, and I think most families of origin are like this, where feelings are not welcome, you know, only mm -hmm. the happy ones. And so if you do reflect on how you process emotions or hard things, you may want to take a look at who trained you there yeah, and what needs to be filtered from that experience. Like what lies, you know, even good intentions, maybe your parents had or your early caregivers had of teaching you how to deal with suffering. Cause oftentimes we do what our family taught us to do. We're just really observant and we observe and model what has been modeled for us. So right. if you are like most people growing up in a family that is really uncomfortable with real things and uncomfortable with real emotions and didn't give you the space or yeah. told you to feel all your things, but then ignored theirs, you know, we don't yeah. often do what our parents tell us to do, but do what they do. So, you know, if your parents, you know, felt emotions or at least shared them without oversharing, cause that's another issue. Um, then, <laughs> yeah, you know, they bleeding sores all over you. That's another kind of issue that you take into your adulthood. But, but we learn how to handle problems and pain from those people. And so when you assess that, what needs to be filtered out? Do you give yourself permission to just accept that you're a human being and you need to make space for the things that come up, the emotions and the mm -hmm. circumstances that you're in? Because if not, if... <laughs> Those things are coming out one way or another. You exactly. can push them down all you want to, but I will tell you, they will roar their ugly head at you and it won't be on your timeline. Exactly. They will show up whenever, that's what panic attack is. That's what panic disorders are, is it's just your body going, you have pressed the alarm system too much and we are not going to ignore you anymore. Like yeah. we're, we're coming out and we will come out when and wherever we want to. And so your body is going to talk back to you. Our bodies are going to radiate our pain if we shove it down and giving yourself permission to do that means it can, it can move, it can leave, it can at least change. Um, so, so, so yeah. knowing that we all either are suffering, have suffered or will suffer. What are some ways that we can, um, help each other and 
help ourselves. Mm -hmm. Whenever we catch our, whenever we, when it's our turn, basically, when we're the one mm -hmm. in the middle of the dumpster fire, <laughs> what are the things that we need to remember? When we are the ones suffering. When we're the one in the dumpster fire. Do you have an idea for a podcast, but you're not sure how to turn it into reality? You need Ready, Set, Podcast. They make it super easy to create your own podcast. They can help record, edit, and publish your idea. They have prices to fit any budget and options for both hobbyists and professional podcasters. So if you have an idea, reach out to them for a free consultation on their website or social media at www.readysetpodcast.xyz. Ready, Set, Podcast, turning your brilliant idea into reality. To make space for it, because there are lots of times, there's so many distractions that pull you away from it. Um, to not carry it alone, pull someone in with you or like... Like we said earlier, ideally, if you have a trusted person who can keep things confidential or can respect your privacy and not share it with other people who can attune, meaning look at you, be mm -hmm. present for you, as we say, hold space for you. Those are ideally the kind of individuals you want to share your story with. There's one other type of individual I think that maybe it should be on your radar. Um, sometimes you have your dumpster fire may be something that that no one in your family or your friends have ever been through. Or maybe it hasn't happened to anyone you know, but there's a support group for people that it has happened to. Mm -hmm. Maybe you should also be talking to someone who's had a similar experience because there is something to be said for a personal experience mm -hmm. of something mm -hmm. you have a different perspective and sometimes yeah. if you don't have a a family member or a friend who understands where you're coming from or that you can share that with if you find a supportive group out mm -hmm. there there's tons of there's tons of support groups online nowadays that are mm -hmm. readily available especially since 2021 when covid mm -hmm. hit you know yeah and i think that's probably a big reason why the me too movement was itself an actual movement because yeah. there's power in just saying me too i understand so you don't have to explain yourself so yeah. much because i've been in your skin yeah and when you there are people that have come to me purely because i was i'm divorced and they know it and i've had people say i didn't want to go to any therapist who's not divorced and so I'm like, whoa, God, like that, this person literally would not be sitting on my couch had I not walked through that fire. Wow. Okay. Well, here we go. You know? Well, you have a different frame of reference. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And there are some people that don't want to talk to somebody unless they know you have walked in on this road. And I, I wouldn't want to hear from anyone who hasn't been on that road. So that's actually one of the most comforting things that happened with me whenever I went through a lot of hard things is not having to explain myself and even having someone, one of the most like huh, healing things someone said to me, um, one of my closest confidants, she said, um, you know, you don't have to explain everything to me. And she goes, I'm just here to listen, but don't feel like you have to explain anything. I'm just here to love you. And I was like, oh, and I didn't even realize that one of my trauma responses is to explain myself. 
because I don't, I want someone to fully understand where I'm coming from. And so I overshare or I'll over explain. And I probably was doing that in the moment. And she was like, I really don't need to know all this. I just love you. And I was like, oh, well, okay. Because if you've ever been through something super hard and there's a lot of details associated with it and all that, there's, it's exhausting to like form a narrative and tell using all the words and, and like trying to form a, a linear narrative sometimes when your head is a pile of mush. Yeah. It's really draining. And so for someone just to go, you know what, I'm just here to sit with you. I was like, oh, that's like the kindest, best thing ever. Mm-hmm. And so I've taken that into account as I hear people's stories all the time. I'm like, you can tell me as much or as little as you want to tell me. Or we can just sit here with each other, you know, and it's just, oh, it's, it's been really helpful. Um, so for those of you who don't, who say, I don't have anyone, mm-hmm. maybe go outside of what we would yeah. consider our normal people to go to, that safe, trusted person, and maybe just reach out to someone who also has a similar experience. Mm-hmm. Because those people... Not all of them, because obviously, you know, you're going to find people in every group that you're mm-hmm. like, yeah, those are not my people. I know. And that's okay. And you, even in a group, there's a various array of different people yep, on different paths. And tons. you may find one person not so helpful and the other person you connect with. You never and know. I say, if you are in that situation, do do the kind thing. And that is take what serves you, share what you can, and then leave the rest. You don't have to take the advice of people that doesn't that doesn't serve you. You don't have to take that. And if people are weird, walk away. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. you don't have to, if you're in a group online, leave the group. Mm-hmm. You know, like, you don't have to treat people terribly because you're suffering. Mm-hmm. But when people are there and offer you things, if you have, if you can take something from it, take something from it. Mm-hmm. If you can't, that's okay. Mm-hmm. If you need to separate yourself, allow yourself the space to do that. I think that, we are a very judgy society mm-hmm. and we as Christians are even more judgy oh, and we want to use the Bible to say, well, we're supposed to judge how you're supposed to judge the fruits of the spirit. <laughs> you're not supposed to tell your brothers and sisters how horrible they are. That's not really the way that it works, but Re- yes, rebuke and love, <laughs> but also Love is the, yeah, what does it say? First Corinthians 13. Like if you have, you know, all of these things, but you don't have love, you don't have nothing. Yeah. You know, I'm paraphrasing, of course. And it's not, but it's not so much about them, the person as what you're supposed to be critiquing is the character, the, Mm -hmm. the fruit. And a lot of times we fall short there and we, attack mm-hmm. the individuals mm-hmm. and i think that we that that's makes mm-hmm. it hard for us or, or rather easy i guess easy for us to forget that yeah. the people are who god's called us to love and those mm-hmm. are our brothers and sisters in christ and those are his kids that you're talking nasty to you know and the suffering ones are or all of us really but all when, <laughs> when we are the suffering ones whenever your friend is hardest to love because, you know, mm-hmm. depression's not fun to hang out no. with. Suffering's not fun to hang out with. When you're sad, when... mopey, sad. That's what <laughs> we, we laugh because I, I tell you all the time, I'll be like, I'm a sad, mopey sack today. Like this is, this is what, 
what I've got and yeah. it's no fun. Mm-hmm. And I still love you. So <laughs> sometimes that means you say, you hang out with sad Mopey Sack. Sad Mopey you go, Sack. You know what? And you don't try to change sad Mopey Sack because it is, it, you are feeling what you're feeling. Yeah. When we try to talk people out of what they're feeling, usually it's frustrating for at least one, but usually both. Yeah, probably both. Yeah. It's like, can I just have, if, if you will validate or see where someone is feeling, then if you can, we call it in, you know, to in therapy world, we call it connect to redirect. Like if you're trying to redirect in any way, or you want someone to see a different side, they may not be ready to see it. And they certainly, their brain cannot even see it until you connect with what their experience is first. Yeah. If you've ever tried to fix someone's feelings, you probably have experienced the, it not working. Um, and it's not real. That then it becomes about you. You know, if yeah. I feel uncomfortable sitting with sad mopey sack, it's probably more about <laughs> like, I'm not in the mood to sit in right. this right now. I want to be happy or I want to put... That's more about you. And, um, you know, whenever I tell my parts of my story to people, sometimes people have a response that's like, oh, but let's let's look at it this way. Let's silver line that piece of, you know, of the story. I'm like, no, it just is. Like, why can't it just be what it really is? Yeah. Why does it have to be silver lined? You know, I just want to take the little marker and be like, I'm etching it out. It's really just a dark cloud. That's just what it is like. No, you know, this is just called reality and I accept it rather than putting something pretty on it. Yeah. And so we love to dress it up. I know. Why can't they got to fix it? Why can't it just be? Because it's hard and nobody likes to sit in the trenches. But the trenches is where you grow and where you learn and where you find out who you are mm -hmm. and where you see God show up the most. Yeah. I almost don't want to even be friends with people who don't have, who can't connect there or don't want to like, don't want to deal with any of reality. That's really hard for me to, to not, to be just in silver lining land. Like I can't, that's really <laughs> hard for me. And I understand everybody has their own process. So sometimes whenever I, I'm with people or I am friends with someone who kind of tries to block out or not see things, I'm like, be patient with them. They're not you. Be patient for a living. You do this. You dig in the trenches all day long. Not everybody digs in the trenches all day long. So it is our job to be patient with those that suffer. Be patient with those who are on a different process and, be and on a path than with you. ourselves. Yeah. Whenever we're going through something, we think, man, I should, shouldn't I be over this by now? Or shouldn't, mm -hmm. is this not enough? Or how much longer? I know I've heard said a lot of times, how much longer is God going to do this? Uh, I don't know, but I'm pretty sure like he has the whole timeline, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, like we don't see the whole big picture, but he does. Mm -hmm. And we just have to be patient with ourselves I and know. we have to be patient with the process. And y'all yeah. we're we're not perfect. We are human. So we're going to fail in this process of being patient with ourselves and being patient with other people. But when we do just say, I'm sorry and take responsibility for how things might've played out between you and others. And when it's yourself and you're not being patient with yourself, just ask God. Well, in both situations, ask God to help you. Mm -hmm. um, you know, everyone processes things differently. And sometimes we just need to be kind to each other. Mm-hmm.
Exactly. You know, when my mom died, um, I was also in my first trimester with my first baby. And so if you've ever been pregnant, you understand that first trimester is like a kick in the pants. Like I was down. I was so tired. Um, my body was just exhausted. And so that was hard anyway, because I just did not have much of an energy level that I was accustomed to. And then mom died. And so I didn't go to work for two weeks and I just processed and hung out with family and rested and just stayed on the couch or, you know, in my cozies. And at some point someone said to me, I'm worried about you. This was two weeks after she died. I'm worried about you. And I was thinking to myself, am I not doing what people do who are absolutely grieving? Like this is normal. And so even though that was said to me on the outside internally, I did not agree with that. I was like, "Mm -mm, I'm going to be, I'm going to be depressed. I'm going to be sad. I'm going to grieve. And I'm also going to rejoice. I can rejoice and grieve at the same time. And so that's what I kind of decided I would do. I was like, no, I'm going to feel this. And if I'm sad, then I'm going to be sad. My mom was my favorite person on the earth. Do I get two weeks to be sad? If I want to be sad three or four or more, like, let me. (laughs) It was just so, it's just, yeah, it was, it was hurtful and it was shocking. And some people, I mean, we, I think we have to do our very best to put ourselves in the skin and in the minds of other people sometimes when we haven't been through that person's thing that has rocked them and leveled them, like you might just sit with yourself and say, Ooh, what is that like? You know, the phrase that we sometimes say to people when they've gone through tragedies and we go, Oh, I can't imagine that. And the truth is, yeah, you can, you absolutely can imagine that. Maybe you ought to try to imagine that because if you did imagine that and you did your best to imagine it, you might find that you can imagine it and it's fair you're only getting a little morsel of what the reality really is so before we should people you should this you should that or we should ourselves then i think you just need a we need a pause and go all right well let's we all need some grace and suffering don't we you know so one of the scriptures that has held me during not just seasons of suffering, but held me period. Um, really all the Psalms. I think Psalms is like, if I could characterize, if I could just label the book of Psalms, it's like PTSD recovery. You know, David was going through all the things and it is every emotion laid bare before God. Like he wrestles in so many seasons of his life. He's depressed. He's suicidal. He's scared. He's worried. He's joyous. He's, he's all the emotions. So if you're ever seeking validation from scripture about wherever you are emotionally, the book of Psalm is, oh, oh, so validating. But Mm -hmm. this comes from Psalm 16 says the boundary lines, it's 16, starting in verse six, the boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. I will praise the Lord who counsels me. Even that night, my heart instructs me. I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I will not be shaken. You know, it's the Psalms, like you said, are such a great resource and they're not the only one. I think it's funny that last episode we were talking about suffering and this episode we combine it together. And I just 
I feel like we need to remember something that's super important, and that is that the Bible is quick to teach us that we're going to suffer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like it says, fact, this is a fact, you will suffer. You mm-hmm. will suffer for my sake. You will suffer. It's going to happen. At your own hands, you'll suffer because of sin. You'll suffer because of other people's sin. Yes. For all of those reasons, this life is full of suffering. And then it goes further to tell you what some of the suffering looks like. It tells you that you won't be alone in your suffering because God says, I'm going to be there with you. Mm -hmm. And then there's another little part that sometimes I think we as Christians like to like forget about or like Mm -hmm. cover up or y'all, the Bible says that we are to find joy in the suffering. That's the different part. Mm -hmm. That's what makes us different. And that's what sets us apart. You know, when we're experiencing suffering, I'm sure it's, it's counterintuitive to go, Oh, I should be joyful about this suffering (laughs) of mine. You know, it's not natural. No, it's not natural, but the scripture reminds us that we suffer for many reasons. Um, it talks about how we will be tried and tested. It will mature our faith. Um, it will give us confidence. It will, Teach us obedience. Mm-hmm. Teach us to be selfless. Yeah. Or more selfless because we all need that. Right. We're naturally very much wired to seek our own pleasure and seek our own mm-hmm. purposes. And it takes when we commit our life to Christ, that means we're trying to lay down what we want in exchange for what he wants or what maybe is in the best interests of others and not right. ourselves. And that's something that the scripture teaches us. And that is that. We should love our neighbor as ourselves. And in doing that, we learn that we are to be more selfless and to give of ourselves to others. And so our suffering suddenly becomes a benefit to others. Mm-hmm. And also what we were talking about earlier in that whenever we have gone through suffering, then we have the ability to be empathetic and assist others when they also are going through suffering of the same kind Mm -hmm. or any kind Mm -hmm. you can recognize what it's like you can see the suffering in someone else and therefore you can be there for them to minister to them and to love on them and to walk with them through Mm -hmm. that difficult time that maybe they don't have anyone to walk with them through Mm -hmm. yeah your experience makes you far more able to show up for people when they hit that low too because we all will. And you bring up a really valid point that even though we are to validate each other's suffering and hold space for each other's suffering, we're also to help each other to find the joy in the suffering. And at times, and we also need to tune our ears to hear that from our brothers and sisters, from our friends, from our family, is that while we can hold space for your joy, or for your suffering, excuse me, we're also supposed to invite you into a joy or to um, bring about that other perspective that there is, there is a joy in this because you are being refined. You, he is, he loves you so much to let you go through this, to help you to become a more mature being. And if you get those, that lens or that viewpoint on your eyes, and tune into that, you will see your suffering differently than just, oh, woe is me. This is terrible. If all you see is the terror and the ter- the horribleness of your suffering, you are missing the point, right. especially if you are a confessed and believing Christian. 
your suffering is meant to grow you up. It's not, meant to call you closer. It's meant to make you more holy. And we're not always going to understand every reason for all the suffering no. that we endure in no. this life. But ultimately, we know what he says, and that is all things work together for good to them that love God and to them who are called according to his purpose. If you believe that God is sovereign and that God is good and you believe that he loves you and he is who he says he is, then you can also believe what the scripture says. And that is that we should count it as joy when we suffer. And we may not understand why or how, but if we ask God, he will show us how to find those moments, even in our suffering. Thanks for listening to the God Be Crazy podcast. If the message of the podcast resonates with you, please make sure to subscribe or follow so that you never miss an episode. We also encourage you to rate and review it on your favorite podcast platform. By doing this, you may help others hear the podcast as well. You can also follow us on Instagram, Facebook, or just share it the good old fashioned way. Talk about it with the people in your life. It is our hope that you will be blessed and strengthened by the truth and crazy love of God.